Hello and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language and because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jesse and I am Kelly. And in this episode, we're discussing Nocturna by Maya Montaigne, a story set in the magical Latinx-inspired world of Castellan, um, where we meet Finn, a thief and changer of faces who is making do however she can, and Alfie, a prince grieving his maybe dead brother and looking for a way to bring him back. Their worlds collide and chaos ensues, as it does. (laughs) As always happens. Yes, yes. We want to just give a content warning for some talk about emotional and physical abuse. As a call to action, um, this has been a really great weekend for a lot of people. Biden won. And I think people should take some time to celebrate, take some time to rest. And then remember that there is still a lot of work to do. Um, Just because 45 is out doesn't mean everything will be perfect. Support the Dems in the runoff races in Georgia, check out your local politics in your area, and aid the causes you believe in in whatever ways are available to you. We want to take a second to shout out our bookshop affiliate page. If you're looking to buy books, think about shopping from our affiliate page, which just gives a very small percentage of proceeds that don't go to local bookstores. It mm-hmm. goes it goes to us. You can go to bookshop.org slash shop slash the library coven, or you can find it at the bottom of the show notes for each episode. And also, hello, welcome, hey, Deanna, new Patreon member. Thank you for supporting the show. We're so excited to have you on Discord. And yeah, thanks for joining us. Initial reactions, Jesse. This book really stuck out to me to start with because of the cover. It's absolutely gorgeous. I don't have a physical copy of the book. I have the ebook, but still, like, I just love the cover. Um, I didn't have many expectations at the outset, which I think can be a really good thing because I absolutely loved this book. I think Finn and Alfie were great characters. I loved their banter. I really enjoyed spending time with them both together and apart. Luca was funny and caring. Finn is such a smartass, and I want to be her friend, and I want to give Alfie a hug. And on top of all that, I really enjoyed the story. The stakes felt high throughout the entire story, and it was super fast-paced. What about you? I was swept up in the story from the very beginning with the cover, like you said, which says the physical copy is, like, gilded and stuff. It's so beautiful. And then the world building, ooh, so good. It was just action-packed from the beginning. Kept my interest the whole time. I loved the book. Like you said, like I hadn't read any reviews or anything beforehand, which is not always the case with the books that we read for the podcast. Sometimes I don't know how this one ended up on our TBR, but we just like picked it. And I'm so glad we did because I can't wait to read the rest of the series. I love the ships. I love the friendship. It's one of the most fascinating magical systems I've encountered in a long time with a lot of like new stuff. So yeah, I'm stoked to talk about it. Time to talk about world building in Through the Wardrobe. We get a creation story at the beginning that explains where both people and magic come from, and that kind of informs the rest of the story. I don't think we always get like these big creation, like how everything came to be in a lot of the books we read. I would say Labyrinth Lost is another one where we get kind of like the story of the Deus and in um, Children of 
Vengeance and Virtue. That's not the first. Children of Blood and Bone. (laughs) (laughs) But those stories normally talk about like the creation of the gods and like how they got here. So it was really interesting to see that story also include like where human beings came from. So I really appreciated that. And I thought it was like a cool addition to the story, especially because it was given in the context of like this was Alfie and his brother's like favorite story growing up. So I thought that was really cool. I echo your sentiments completely. Taking in what you said, I really like how the makes me think of how the book posits people and magic as connected, you know, not like separate entities. Mm-hmm. Also really liked how it was, it was like a bit of a history lesson in the world building. I think that was also like the creation story takes into account like what actually happened with colonization and things like that. Yeah, I assume that you would like love this part because it's like almost like paratext. <laughs> <laughs> Like it wasn't extra, but it was like in there. (laughs) We spend this novel in San Cristobal, which is a city in the continent of Castellan or the kingdom of Castellan and is a ringed city. So this kind of made me, I was like visualizing Dante's Inferno in the rings of hell for some reason and how up higher it was just like Stepford Wives, rich people. Stepford Wives. (laughs) I've never read Dante's Inferno, so I didn't even think of, like, the Rings of Hell. So I like that. That's cool. We also have a world that's loosely inspired by IRL continents and at the same time is changed. Same goes for, like, history Mm -hmm. um, and then fictionalized. What did you think about this? I actually don't think I would have minded if the place names weren't so similar to real place names like in glass and I'm like like England (laughs) or like (laughs) so Mm -hmm. like for me a little bit like that kind of pulls me out when it's too similar to what the real names of places are but we're in this like fantasy world yeah I don't really I would prefer to have had made up names but I under also understand that this book is written for younger people and they are going to know a lot less history and well not all of them some of them will know a lot less history than I do so like I understand why you might want to make those names like a little more concrete in the real world but as an adult I'm kind of like oh could we have picked like a different name (laughs) (laughs) again there's a cool map I especially like the animal details there's like an iguana and a possum and a jaguar I love the little cartoons and everything that they draw love maps we should post more maps I keep forgetting to take pictures of maps yeah, I do so many ebooks that it's really hard to like the pictures of the maps are good, but like they're just not as All right, I'll get on the maps. You take some pictures of maps I'll get on and the maps. I will post them. <laughs> and then I also am really hoping that we travel to the other places in with the characters in the next book. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we will because I actually think I read the next book is called Occulta and I think they're back in this in like San Cristobal. So, I don't know if we will travel to new places but i am excited to read the next book because i just loved all the characters so much yes do we know when the next book comes out um it might already be out here i'll just do a quick little look see but um let's see it only has 19 vote reviews so i'm guessing it's not out yet oh december 15th so it's pretty soon um i think in this one finn Oh, it does look like it starts out with traveling and then she has to go back to Castellan. Maybe I I think she becomes like in charge of like a gang (laughs) of criminals. So like Kaz. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. And plus I love Finn. She's great. Yeah, she is awesome. Mm -hmm. 
another big part of the world building, I thought, besides like the city and stuff, we one of the main scenes is in the magical prison, the clock tower. So I wasn't really sure where to discuss this, but yeah, yeah I guess through the wardrobe makes sense. The prison was a weird place. <laughs> it was very just like blatantly tortury. It reminded yeah. me of like uh, the minute that I that I wrote like prison break exclamation point in the like <laughs> on the side of my notes, and then I started thinking about um, was it an ember in the ashes or was it the next one? The second oh, I think one, it's this a torch against the night. Yeah, where they had the prison break. Mm-hmm. That's what I started I don't, thinking about. I think so. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the prison, like um, in of Cordemus and Fury, where the prison is a place that people are going to stay forever and it didn't seem like people got out and it's like more punishment than like rehabilitative. So that's what I was thinking, like with the clock tower and like, like the passage, like they can hear the passage of time and that kind of like is meant to be a form of torture for the people in the prison. Right. And then they also had a a moat of boiling water. That was (laughs) interesting. It reminded me of this um, comic that I saw. It's like a wizard or something on a therapist's couch or a king or something on a therapist's couch. And it's like, the moat keeps out enemies, yes, but it also keeps out friends. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, not commenting on that. (laughs) Maybe we all need little moats of boiling water around us now to keep us away from other people. Wands out. Let's discuss all things magic. As much as I love this book, I feel like I don't have a firm grasp on the magical system. Am I right in saying they have elemental magic, like Finn can control stones and Alfie can control water, but then some people also have propio, which is like a special kind of magic. So Alfie can see and mimic other people's magic and can travel through space and Finn can change her face. And then dueños are like extra magical I was a little confused. So let's go. Pasito, pasito, suave, suavecito. Anyway, sorry. I just started singing Despacito. I can't. I can't <laughs> not. It's so good. I don't know that song, so that's fine. Well, now it will be in the show notes because it's in this recording. <laughs> so, yes, there is elemental magic, kind of like Avatar The Last Airbender style. You got fire. You've got water. You've got earth. And then I don't know about air. You know, there were wind people. I remember that. So, yes, you have elemental magic. I'm not sure if everyone has it or if there's like some non-magical folks. I don't know. Did you catch on to that? No, I wasn't sure. I think it was like confusing to me because like some people seem to like be able to control, like maybe everyone has some kind of magic where they can control like elements. And it seemed like Finn kept talking about, uh, what did she call it? Table magic or like desk Desk magic magic. Uh is what Alfie has because he can like do other things. But she also, she has like a propio and I didn't understand like, does everyone have that or have the ability to have that? Like what think... makes that come on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I just kept like picking up little tidbits along the way, but I'm like, I don't think I understand it all the way. I, okay. The propio in Spanish, you know what it means? Mm-mm. It means it's like one's own. Oh, okay. So. Oh, like property. Like mi propia casa is like, that's my own, my own mm-hmm. house or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that is like an individual kind of magic. And it seems like from what they talked about, Shiomara and Finn and Alfie, that all of them got their propios at specifically like traumatic 
times in their young lives. Mm -hmm. But we also know that like Alfie's brother got his when he like first held Alfie. Right. So yeah, it was just like a little confusing to me. Like Like, big formative moments and they can be Mm -hmm. good or bad or whatever Mm -hmm. or neither. And then that's when a proprio emerges. And then the, if you have a proprio, your shadow like is a tell for having a proprio. I didn't know if that shadow was for everyone or if it was only for some people. <laughs> only for some people, I think. Only if you have a proprio. I think does your shadow move? Okay. Well, I mean, your shadow moves because you anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but moves independently <laughs> yes, of your body yes. moving. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then the duenos are these they seemed like maesters from Game of Thrones or whatever. You know, they're just like mm-hmm. the old people with the institutional clout and knowledge yeah i thought of them as like priests kind of because they came to do like last rites for the dead Mm -hmm. but like priests in a world where they're like they just know more magic than other people i mean (laughs) well that makes sense that like knowledge and i mean like religious orders and nobility used to be the only people who knew how to read or anything like that yeah i mean i think that makes sense you know that the exclusion Mm-hmm. of power from the other people which is the point you brought up like finn's point about desk magic and so there's this mm-hmm. other kind of magic which you like is like the spells that you can say and do but you have to like study how to do that and i think that's what finn was referring to yeah i think so and then like alfie maybe isn't as good with his like or most nobles aren't very good with their like elemental magic because like that's not what they study so it, all in all i really like the magical system because like there was a lot going on and obviously like i'm just like well just suspend my disbelief it works somehow it's magic but at the same time i was like (laughs) (laughs) you know like i kind of wanted to know more about like how it actually worked but Mm -hmm, we also mm -hmm. didn't get like a big huge info dump other than like the creation story at the beginning which i kind of appreciated i just like was wondering more about like how this magical system worked and it was kind of confusing to me and i think maybe like you know those little paloma insets when it would be Alfie's point of view and they'd be like in italics or whatever. And he would be remembering something his teacher said. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like those were moments that was trying to explain the magical system, but I agree with you that it is still a little bit confusing. Yeah. I think I just wanted more, which is, but it's also, I understand why maybe we didn't to like kind of avoid both Finn and like everyone in the world already knows how the magic works. So it, right. it'd be kind of hard to bring in a way to tell us how it works without being weird. Yeah, and I think that's, like, what the point of introducing, like, we'll have new characters coming in in the second book. So I think that usually helps, you know, then the reader can also encounter that information. For sure. I All I could think was, like, Pandora's box with the magic coming out and needing <laughs> to, like, be released. I, I don't know why. Like, as soon as I saw it, I just wrote down, like, Pandora's box. <laughs> totally. Like, this idea of what's un, it's uncontrollable. Once you unleash mm-hmm. it, it's, like, unstoppable. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, gosh, don't open the thing, you know, like, and there's like going to be bad. <laughs> quite literally so many red flags, Alfie. Yeah. Yeah. And then shadows can show people's emotions, which really reminded me of Peter Pan and his shadow. Like he's always worried about it, like leaving him or whatever. And he has to like sew it. Yeah. Like Wendy sews it back on for him because he thinks he can like rub it on with soap. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Peter Pan as a kid growing up and as an adult. I just love Peter Pan. It's one of my favorite stories. So I that just like immediately came to mind totally totally blood magic is just always evil in everything that we ever read and watch and i just don't know what that is about i guess because it's like our the source of our life or something and you shouldn't let it go or give it to other people but 
I would like to see a book where like they're like blood magic. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you got to write that book. Who knows? Yeah, and I'm gonna like get kicked out of like YA fandom or whatever because they're gonna be like blood magic's bad. <laughs> maybe I should do some more research into blood magic. I'm sure it does exist, but yeah, it's always just seen as bad. Maybe because there's like a self harm element to doing that. You know, I don't know. I just wanted to point out that every book it's like blood magic so much blood magic and it's always like you're gonna kill everyone if you do this bad thing with your blood (laughs) there's also lots of magical items they proliferate in this book there's an invisibility cloak which i thought was cool i liked that element the little parchment that sends messages that just kept reminding me of the rasand feyre note passing scenes also god statue question mark that's like dispersed into pieces mm-hmm. but also is that maybe like not together. a problem anymore what do you mean i don't know because like they threw it into the void oh yeah i think i think that storyline is like done i don't know that we're gonna need to worry about that much anymore mm-hmm. and wait did see amara die at the end yeah she threw herself into her own void okay oh yes 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 well she's so also like, dying so right so like i don't think I, you know i can't remember what alfie's brother's name is but i'm gonna it's okay okay I don't think they're going to be able to get him back. No, it sounded like Alfie was saying goodbye when he like threw the little dragon trinket and stuff and Mm -hmm. like accepting. This was like a big hurdle for his character. Yeah, which either means that his brother will come back and Alfie will be like overjoyed or he's really dead. So I don't I'm not going to like get my hopes up that Alfie will get that. his brother comes back from the void having been changed into some like bad person TM. Yeah. And then it's (laughs) it's a large fight. Yes, and then he'll have to, like, kill his brother or something. And then it'll be real bad. (laughs) (laughs) There's also contracts with magical forces. Friends, you got to be careful when you're making these contracts. Or examine from all angles. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I feel like you need to be, like, some kind of genius to be able to make these contracts because you're just asking for... Like, they're going to outthink... They've been around for so long, they they can, like think through all the possibilities way faster than our little human brains. <laughs> Wands away. Now we're going to talk about conflict, villains, and good and evil and other things in our segment, Get Me Kylo Ren. Ignacio, because it's like always the dads. Fucking dads. the worst. This character is odd i think as like a dad like a father figure character because he's like kind of he has murdered finn's parents so that he can have her (laughs) so he's like kind of like her adopted dad but he's still just like terrible Mm -hmm. and she's like worked really hard to get away from him and of course like he finds her and like you know it's very bad he's definitely like the abusive possessive controlling manipulative gaslighting stalker abuser Mm -hmm. form person and we see like he like wants her to be a bad person like that's kind of his goal (laughs) is for her her to be as bad as he is but also for him to like have her as if she's like a trinket instead of a person Mm -hmm. people as means and not ends in themselves i thought that the passage the passage passages oh my god (laughs) where like from Finn's point of view that we're describing what happened to her when Ignacio when she's in Ignacio's presence and what you know her history with him I thought those were some 
of the most terrifying passages that I'd read in a while. I thought that was, I don't know, super evocative of the kinds of emotions that a person, like a survivor of that sort of abuse, would be feeling. And so I thought that that was very like powerful to have as one of the points of view that you're getting in the novel. Yeah, I think especially as a young person, because Finn didn't have a lot of options you know like this person has taken her in after like she doesn't realize that her like he ignacio had murdered her parents we see her learn that but like she's kind of like run away and like to see him come up out of nowhere kind of when you're not expecting it yeah i think those scenes were really well done and yeah i I just think they did the author did a good job with this and at the same time i think that it could have merited a content warning at the beginning of the book yeah, there was a this book was a lot more violent than some of the other books we've read. Yes. Obviously, I didn't mind, but for a young person, you might kind of like want that at the beginning just to like so that they know what they're getting into if they don't want to read that cuz it wasn't just the abuse, but like we see flashbacks of Finn like murdering people as a child, you know, like of Ignacio forcing her to do that cuz that's like kind of his magic is that he can force people to do something. Yeah. Once he learns their like darkest secret or whatever which I think segues into another one of the like the big villains quote unquote of the story is this like impulse to control others, which manifests in Ignacio's Propio, as you just explained, he's like this puppet master. And then they're like in a traveling circus too. So I thought that this like all really fit well together. And then, and also like the people who are turned into basically magical zombies who are when they're infected by Sombra's magic, like the, the magic wants is hungry and just wants to control and expand its control. Yeah. And then, so this is like the, evil or dark or and glass and magic i thought it was really well done on the author's part how it takes on a protagonistic role and like the magical force itself as a character you can just tell that it, it wants things like it itself has motivations it wants things and therefore like they have the right to take them <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and so that's like the ethos you know of this type of power all of this like is also going reminds me of you know what you're saying about Ignacio's Propio and he needs to learn their darkest secret and to control people is that like this, it's essentially shame. He uses shame to control people. And so they, you know, think that I am bad and this then influences the schemas we have in place and the stories we tell about ourselves. And I just thought that the book did an amazing job of like surfacing those things in the exposition. And then also this made me think like, Ooh, gotta go hit up Brene Brown's greatest hits about shame and vulnerability and shit like that it's just got a lot of wisdom i also really like this this element of ignacio's magic that he uses like shame to control people like their secret which equals their shame to control them because i do think that's also like what abusers do in real life like they make you feel bad about a particular thing and they use that to control you or they do learn your secrets in real life and they use that to control you so i also think that even without there being a magical element like he has like this control over Finn and that he has like turned her in this bad person who wanted his love so much that like she she did things that she maybe wouldn't have done and I do think that kind of like really shows from like the story's perspective like how people can get into these like um like abusive kind of relationships and kind of stay in them because like the person knows something about you and you think like you're dirty or whatever and that's why you can't be with someone else or you know especially in a parent parental situation like you think like well they have to love me 
and she feels like Ignacio has like chosen her because he's like an adoptive parent. And so he's kind of like holding that over her. So I think the author did a really good job of like moving that into magic instead of just um, like instead of our real world and like making those two things like connect really well. Yeah. And just making it so relatable too. you're describing how the, the cycles of abuse get perpetuated. And yeah, it shows it on like a physiological level, like what happens when you're, you know, triggered by something and then what also happens on the like stories you tell about ourselves level how we talk to ourselves and then also how it influences our other relationships and what I think is like the really cool part about this book is it shows Finn being like nah fuck that like I got there's another way and that part is being vulnerable and that part is like actually reaching out for community and for support and letting yourself be seen yeah uh, it was really well done I really appreciated that Onward, magical friends. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. Let's start with race. I didn't notice too much about skin color in this novel. Do you remember how the characters, were their skin colors described at all? I don't really remember. Like, it didn't stand out to me, which probably means they weren't described. I could be wrong. I did switch back and forth between like the ebook and the audiobook. So sometimes <laughs> if I'm like doing something while I'm listening, I might miss like snippets, obviously. But yeah, I don't remember any descriptions of that. Except for like eye color. There was eye and hair color, I remember. Mm-hmm. And like body compositions. But it did also didn't seem in a like that it was doing it in a, like a an erasure way. No, just like maybe like they live in the place where there is not much distinction between people in which case you probably like if a book's taking place in like Sweden I kind of have an idea of what everyone looks like and wouldn't make assumptions otherwise you know (laughs) and I think it's like a little bit tricky because it's this quasi fantasy place that's semi-inspired by like even the continent shapes look a little bit like our Mm -hmm. IRL continent shapes you know so is it, I, I think this could then play on readers' perceptions of what racial makeup is like, you know, so there, I just want to like put that out there. Mm-hmm. On that note, we also, I think, saw more about ethnic and cultural differences and also like the impact colonization had on those. Lots to say about coloniality, but we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, it's also kind of difficult because Finn can't change the way she looks. And I know at the end she does show... Alfie what like the face she was born with (laughs) so that was like interesting but it like made it difficult for me to kind of picture what people looked like I think yeah which is I mean I just make up stuff in my head anyways that's what reading (laughs) is right yeah totally (laughs) for some reason it made me hard to picture like what people look like like there were a lot of descriptions about like facial features and for some reason that I always have trouble with that like visualizing those things Mm mm-hmm And it's interesting because there is a little bit of a trend now on author websites and book websites to have like canon artwork of what the characters look like. So I'm Mm -hmm. curious if that's, yeah, maybe that's like, I'm used to that now or decent, like, you know, used to not having to do the imagining myself. (laughs) (laughs) Want to talk about class? Yes. So the whole city is set up in rings that correspond to class, which I found kind of an interesting way to like definitively show like the markers of class throughout the city, like with the most inner circle being the like royalty. And then like the farther you get out, which also presumably means the more people and the farther you get out, yep. 
the like lower your social class and probably economic class as well. Right. There's like more people and fewer resources the further you get out. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. just like so all sorts of vast fucking backwards. And I like how Finn calls Alfie on that. Yeah, Finn is like teaching Alfie some lessons about what it can mean to be a ruler and how he can do better than those who came before him. I particularly liked her comment about treating the city like it's a piece of shit so that he can be more aware of what's wrong and make changes instead of treating it like it's a delicate item to be cherished. I thought that was a good way to look at being in power, you know, like don't treat things as if they're already good. You need to actually critically examine the things that are already wrong so that you can make it a better place. I just thought that was like a really good for good for the thoughts. (laughs) Definitely. It is like modeling that you need to be able to really look at Mm -hmm. what exists and see what is not like what you wish there, not you wish existed, you know? So like not the like whole mythology and history about Castellan is, you know, magia para todos, magic for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then we're seeing like Alfie's awakening, you know, in the doubts and just it's yeah, I really loved this book. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, I think there's um, a James Baldwin quote about what it means to be American and looking at Amer- like looking at America through the lens of like through a critical lens and like that's what it means to actually be, you know, black in America. And I just like a really like that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this. Like Finn is like no you you can't just like follow along with like what your leader in power is telling you. Like you need to think about like who is this affecting? Like Like, you can't just be patriotic for the sake of being patriotic. That's not helpful to anyone. Right. And you have to look around and actually see Mm -hmm. what's going on to the people around you. Yeah. I think it's also, we were talking about this a little bit in the wands out section, but the magical system is classed. Mm -hmm. I think Finn is also jealous of Alfie's desk magic or whatever she calls it. Like the spoken magic that you have to study. Yeah. I just think that it's important to like recalcar is a Spanish word. So what does that mean in English? Like highlight? emphasize that the magical system itself is classed and I appreciated how this was made explicit in the conversations that Finn and Alfie were having yeah they had some really like candid conversations about like the differences in their life and like how they've grown up and you know even their access to resources and I thought that was really well done in that you kind of see how these two people like come together and become friends but also at the same time recognize that they're coming from very different places in life gender i thought it was really sweet so alfie there's a scene where alfie is talking to aurora who was betrothed engaged to alfie's brother they're talking about making their possible marriage decision with aurora i guess technically would be like given to alfie instead of his brother (laughs) right which is terrible that it might not be up to her obviously but I was good to see that like Alfie was like no Matt like this decision is yours and whatever you want to do I will help you get what you need out of you know out of your life basically he's like if you don't want to marry me that's totally fine but if you do that's also fine because like you kind of like lost the person you thought you were going to marry and I want to help you in any way you can so I just thought that was really sweet of him to like recognize that and no one had to like tell him that like Finn didn't need to point out to him that this is not good like he recognized you need to talk about this person's feelings yeah yeah not and not just that but that like if she doesn't want to be married to him he's like I'll I'll figure out a way to like get you set up so you can do what you want to do and I thought that was like really nice and sweet that he recognized that he has the privilege of being able to make that decision yeah 
what you're saying is making me think about how Alfie's like growth moments were more along his class privilege than they were about like any sort of different gender dynamics, which I thought was curious because it seemed like a quasi patriarchal society with king in charge, two princes. It's kind of hard to know when there's no like girls around. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, So like, I don't know if Alfie had a sister who was older than him, you know, because that's usually is not how it works. Like it is now in England, but it hasn't been in the past. So yeah, it's kind of hard to know when that when that there's no option to even see if mm-hmm. that's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The gender co- component was really was fascinating to me because it didn't really seem to fall into regular gender norms necessarily. But at the same time, like you said, we didn't get that many women characters. Paloma was one of the only other fleshed out ones, but like not even really. I'm not sure if it was like a conscious decision, but I thought so, a few different times when like Ignacio slash Sombra's magic or whatever was talking, was talking about like needing men, like to expand to more men. And it seemed to be the default for people. I just wanted to note this. And I mean, there were obvious, there were like in scenes, there were women who were like their magic zombies or whatever, but I thought it was, it's curious to note the, that yeah, they are, we are talking about mostly men. A lot of the time we're talking about men. Yeah, and I guess uh, maybe that's part of, like, trying to make it seem, like, old-timey, you know, as yeah. these fantasies do. Like, of course, men is used in place of people. Like, we think of, like, our own constitution or whatever. Or totally. that's what they actually meant. In this case, that's not. But, <laughs> yeah, we do see, like, zombie ladies as well. <laughs> and, yeah, Sylvia Winter is one of the thinkers who... She's, like, a, um, a Caribbean philosopher and writer, and she thinks a lot about how man like a specific version of man white cis powerful rich whatever able-bodied etc thin whatever comes to like stand in for what humanity actually is and she calls it like a specific genre of man anyway just making me think about all sorts of things i love talking about sylvia winter any chance i get would you like to talk about coloniality sure I think there's a lot to unpack here, and I'm not really sure how to go about it. There's a centuries-long beef between Englassen and Castellan, and so it describes the process of colonization and enslavement in the text itself. And then also this, the uprisings? Yeah, uprisings, levantamientos, and then like like a reconnection with one's own language and one's own culture, and then how afterwards like you get a cultural syncretism almost. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think we see this a lot also, like, I think Alfie mentions, like, the loss of the language of the people of Castellan, like, the language that they had, or getting, like, bits and pieces of it, and a lot of their magic is in Spanish, but it doesn't always seem like they know, like, for me, like, some some of the words I knew, some of them I didn't, but sometimes I'm like, oh, that's a Spanish word for this thing, and they didn't seem to always know that that was a Spanish word for that thing, so I don't know if they're treating it like that's their magical language or if they have like gotten pieces of their language back that they use in magic that part was like a little confusing to me but yeah we do see like this mashup of probably kind of like what people think of as America like where you bring all these cultures together and they like become a new thing you know Mm -hmm. and then we were watching like to the extent that this colonial history has actually been dealt with and that we see that it does not preclude the existence of like discrimination and prejudice and class differences within a previously colonized and now decolonial place 
Yeah. And we also see that like in glass and magic is seen as bad now, but they also like kept some of the things from like the Inglassan culture, like I'm not sure if there were kings and queens before Inglassan came, but they've decided, like, uh, it looks seems like Alfie's family is like the f- the first family to be in charge after colonization, and now they're the king and queen, you know, like the first of their, the first of their name. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, it's it's kind it's hard to separate when I don't know like what the it was supposed to like what it had been before, but I do like to see like how the effects of colonialism colonialism has affected the the culture you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally ability body minds etc we have various different kinds of magical impairment which i found interesting we have finn's blocked propio so she can't change her own face she's only able to change other people's features which that was cool i didn't know that she could do that all I could think of was like Arya, you know how she's like changing faces in Game of Thrones. Like that's all I could think of with Finn. Yeah, a girl has no name. <laughs> Actually, and can I just mention real fast that like I this probably goes in gender, but I'm just going to talk about it here really quickly. Uh, like Finn's name because it's like a I guess gender neutral name kind of. I kept forgetting like who Finn was for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it's funny like kind of to think about like the the gender we put onto names and I was having that like disconnect in my mind sometimes with Finn which you know check my own biases <laughs> yeah and it like makes a lot of sense because she also changes her face all the time mm-hmm. I think that like the androgynous name is a would totally be like a specific choice on the author's yeah part. I just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> yeah no that's good that's great to note for sure another kind of magical impairment that we have is um, the toll that Sombra's magic takes on Alfie Another thing we see is disablement on purpose, but instead it's in order to keep Shiomara and we can assume lots of other prisoners from accessing their magic. So she has been mutilated with her tongue cut out so she can't speak the desk magic and then also has tattoos on her arms to stop her power, which then made me confused about how she was able to use her power later. Did she like scrape the tattoos off of her arms or something? Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Anyway. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but maybe she doesn't need to speak to do her magic, which is like also good like there are people who cannot speak and that doesn't mean that they don't they can't do or powerful things you know right yeah um so yeah i appreciate that but the, it seemed like the tattoos were for that for like a power dampening reason mm-hmm. and then i'm glad that she could use her power at the end because that was clutch yeah very important <laughs> doesn't work without her and i guess on this what we could call other end of ability disability spectrum like luca has super strength and is now invincible question mark i don't know if he's invincible i think that was something about like the deal that alfie made with the magic to that like luca wasn't allowed to be hurt Uh and so when finn used the magic to hurt luca like it didn't work and or like it did hurt him and so that like broke the magical contract or whatever and then thus healed him i don't know and then <laughs> but then made it so that they could like put the magic in the place where it needed to go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm just a little confused <laughs> it's funny i like this book so much but now that i'm talking about it, i'm, I'm like wow i was confused about a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> the author's probably like suspend your disbelief you guys like it's not that hard <laughs> read book two stop being so two. impatient I know. I mean, it's literally out in like a month, so I might get that. (laughs) Yep, yep. But I also really liked Luca. He was a sweet character, if not like 
annoying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he seemed like a comic relief Cassian type figure. Yeah, yeah. Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. So our main ship is Finn and Alfie, and I love them, and I'm here for it, and I just want them to be together. I also really like that they seem to have, like, neither of them taking on, like, a gendered role in the relationship. Mm, That's so sexy. Love it. I just really (laughs) liked it. (laughs) Gender is dead, motherfuckers. (laughs) Uh, yeah, like their conversations, their heartfelt conversations, the pining. I was like, yes, hold hands. Yes, talk about your feelings. Yes, stare longingly at each other. Like, <laughs> love this. I love YA for this reason, you know. Yes, use his first name and not his title. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, give it to me. Totally. It's like all about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just so sweet. And then like the I, the sentimental shit, like the part of the end where... Finn talks about choosing her loud last name and then how that's the word Alfie uses to do his like magical travels and Alfie's like oh my gosh it was fate <laughs> it's so <laughs> and cute Finn is like peace out bitch I'm not leaving <laughs> I'm gonna go fulfill my own dreams bye and he was just like okay with it and I was like wow this is so sweet and I such love a good model both. for young people to have like yes I know I know long distance would be hard in this situation although i guess like alfie can like magic some paper so they can like text each other or whatever (laughs) (laughs) magical texting that's what it is yeah it's just basically it's texting but without cell phones i'm glad that we Um, put that together and then there's the moment when finn realizes the the relief of sharing a burden and sharing hard memories with another person and i just felt like that was her like falling in love with alfie because she like felt comfortable telling him and I was just like, this is just so adorable. And I love it. It was just like your like heart so full. Oh, yeah. my God. Love I guess it. we should also mention it's like not in the show notes, but like Luca is obviously queer. He's was dating some dude and like Alfie like came to his rescue to like be mean to the guy that broke up with Luca. And I really appreciate <laughs> that too. Um, I really like Alfie and Luca's friendship. Like they have had their hard times, but like. Or trying to work through it or whatever. So it was really sweet. Yeah. Agreed. So much. Love it. And then also Luca and Finn start getting along, which is, I loved that part too. Yeah. What does she keep? Oh, bath boy. She keeps calling him bath boy. boy. (laughs) Because they they found him drunk in the bathtub or something. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, when she was like in that hidden panel in the wall, he was like in the bathtub and she's like pretending to be his like servant or whatever. So that she (laughs) can like get to the next panel or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. And I think she also feels like a little bad that she didn't do anything to stop like the poisoning because like it kind of makes it a little bit her fault like what's going on because she could have just like stopped the poisoning (laughs) and then Alfie wouldn't have had to like take in the bad magic. Yeah. Sorry, my dogs are barking. Oh, my God. Why am I not a dog person again? Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings. I really liked when Alfie described the ebb and flow of mourning being like the seasons, like coming and going. I think it's just 
a very good description of what it's like to lose someone and you know you have good days where you don't think about it and you have bad days where you can't think about anything else and like everything in between I just thought it was really well like a very good description a very apt description of what it's like to lose someone and I really appreciated that yeah and I think this also extrapolates I'm really glad that you brought this up because I think it also applies to you know different kinds of grief like climate change and you know all sorts of systemic injustices and generational trauma and and stuff like that so totally 100 percent. i thought there were really good action scenes in this book it was more violent we talked about this a little bit earlier but i think it's important to bring up in this section about style because it reminded me more of like six of crows or dread nation where's a lot of battle scenes lots of killing and i was taken a few aback a few times especially like in the pub scene where there's just like skating in a rink of blood and there's like blood dripping from the ceiling and people turn into ash and lots of gore which is funny because again I didn't even think about it because of the things that I watch but this is definitely meant for an older YA audience definitely not for younger people I mean obviously younger people should read whatever they want and if they are comfortable reading this then go ahead but also yeah it was pretty gory and I didn't expect that from this book, but I mean, it was really well done and you can kind of like, it was very like visceral, like, yes, very descriptive descriptions of what it was like to be <laughs> like <laughs> covered in blood and all the stuff. It was, I mean, it was really well done. I it liked it. So good. I love the writing mm-hmm. style. Love, mm-hmm. love, love the writing style. Similes, lots of similes. I didn't notice them, which means they were well done. <laughs> everywhere. They were everywhere. I thought that I very much enjoyed her writing style. And this was a small thing to note, but this is the first YA book with chapter titles that I've read in a long time. I didn't even notice them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of skip over that kind of thing because I'm like, because sometimes I feel like it's a little spoilery. Yeah, so, it can. Yeah. I so I didn't, I don't remember them. You want me to read you some of them? Yes, please. Okay. One second. Let me grab the book. <laughs> she's back to the microphone <laughs> you're gonna have a long silent moment to take out oh it doesn't have them like there's no table of contents oh <laughs> i'd go get mine but it's so far away no, but they're at the top they're at the on the top right page the, uh-huh. the blue room the dinner okay. party the pig the chest cambio the fox and the dragon the Prince of Strutting. Oh, now that you say it, I do remember that from the audiobook. A prince and a thief walk into a prison. <laughs> the fireworks. Words carved in wood. The hands of a god. The ultimatum. The thief, the prince, and the end. It just made me think about how in most of the books that we've read for the podcast, we either have numbers or just names for whoever's POV the chapter is going to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a different way to do it, I guess because we just read Ricked Fox jumping into another third person POV wasn't as much of a struggle for me so I just wanted to point that out because I complained about third person POV <laughs> last time and you have done in previous episodes beside the Wicked Fox episode yes I have quite often but I think if I read them like back to back then I kind of am like oh yes this is fine <laughs> I don't mind it yeah and it is interesting to note that like this genre convention then of like 
points of view are changing within the chapters mm-hmm. themselves after just like a little blank space, like a return. Yeah. Jump cut. Jump cut? Yeah, that's what it's called. Jump cut. There you go. A jump cut. There you go. Publishing terms. Jesse mm-hmm. knows. Yeah. Actually, that's from creative writing class. <laughs> oh, well, creative writing. Jesse also knows that. <laughs> Yeah, which I don't mind and is actually kind of cool when you do have like the multiple POVs to see it change like within a chapter. Yeah, I just this was another third person POV. We don't get a ton of them. And if I read them back to back, it's okay. I think I've I've actually I'm, I've started Wayward Witch. I'm about halfway through and it's first person again. So I'm like, that back is just your like, element. Yeah, and it's just much easier to jump back into for some reason. I don't know why. I guess it's just my preference, which is fine. <laughs> Maybe it's the suspending the disbelief part of it. I don't know. If the third person? No, the the first person gets you in and so you're able to suspend. I don't know. I'm just throwing yeah. shit out well, there. And you kind of get into the character's head a little more. So I mm. feel like some of the things that were confusing to me in like this book are a little harder to create confusion for in first person. Like I feel like it would be easier to like do like kind of an info dump of explaining the magical system in first person whereas it's a little more difficult to do that in third person because it's from the narrator instead of like a person thinking it so yeah I very don't know. true or you have to like link it in there somehow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that can be difficult to do recommend if you like I would say an ember in the ashes for fast-paced and enemies to lovers esque I wouldn't say that Finn and Alfie are like super enemies, but like they're kind of enemies. Mm-hmm. Also, I would say it reminds me of Dave Abad, the Dave Abad books mm-hmm. by Chakraborty. Mm-hmm. It's very gruesome, this book. So maybe if you like this book, you'll also like The Punisher, <laughs> the Marvel <laughs> TV show, which is one of my favorites, but it's very violent. So some people don't really like it. I guess any of those, actually, there are some bad ones, but maybe also Daredevil is kind of similar to that, like really good action scenes in Daredevil, probably Jessica Jones, but I think the Punisher and the and Daredevil have like the best action scenes, best fight scenes. So mm-hmm. <laughs> watch those on, on Netflix. Before we end, it's time for Real Talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way? Or did it make you interrogate a concept, system, or trend that you hadn't before? I like Alfie realizing Finn is right, that we, we're still ourselves even at our worst, that our actions when we're angry can still say something about who we are as people, and sometimes even more about who we are <laughs> as people. I don't know. I just really appreciated that because I think sometimes people try and like take it out like, oh, I was angry, so like that's not who I really am. But I do think... Like those actions speak to who we are fundamentally. So I just really appreciated that. Totally. We have to integrate all of our emotions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something that this book made me think about was freedom as a relationship and like a state of being and a practice rather than a place or any other kind of identity. So I liked that little tidbit and that made me, you know, consider like what are the practices that make us free all the time? You know, so we're not just thinking about voting every four years. Mm-hmm. Womp. No. You know, it's like, how are we actually in community with each other? And I've been reading some shit. Shout out to my brother for getting me this language of emotions book for Christmas last year. <laughs> so this book talks about fear and anger working as a team. And so anger about like being able to set boundaries and then fear as like 
if it's free flowing and not repressed and everything, then it's one of those things that connects us to like intuition and protective action, like in a moment, like when you're super adrenalized or whatever. And then this reminded me of the OODA loop, which is like something that some Air Force whatever person made up. But I listened to this cool episode on how to survive the end of the world podcast with these people behind the initiative called Queer Nature. And they talk about what the OODA loop is. And it stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act. And I think there was just so many moments of pause, you know, where we see them reevaluating about what to do with their plan. And we see Finn maybe being caught up and not being able to access, you know, the parts of her that let her orient herself or be able to decide and then take action. So I don't know. This is it's just coming up for me. I'll include some resources in the show notes about this stuff if people are curious. Sounds cool. Thanks for listening to the Library Coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of Wayward Witch by Zoraida Cordova, the third and last book in the Brooklyn Brujas series. Maybe last. We don't know. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you, magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at the Library Coven. You can post or tweet about the show using the hashtag critically reading and hashtag the library coven. And you can contact us via email at librarycoven at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the library coven on the podcast app of your choice. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other rad people out there. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on coffee. You can also support us monthly on Patreon in exchange for minisodes, bonus apps, swag, and more. And you can support the show by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Kelly is recording on Cheyenne, Ute, and Arapaho land. Jesse is recording on Peoria, Kaskakia, Payankasha, Weya, Miami, Muscotin, Odawa, Sak, Meskwaki, Kickapoo, Potawatomi, Ojibwe, and Chickasaw land. Until next time, stay magical. <laughs> <laughs>